I've been waiting to post this interview for a while, and there's been a few that I've posted before it that I kind of knew what we were talking about, but we discovered it, not discovered it, but we came upon the notion in this interview with Erica Biagini, who studied abroad in Spain, um, <clears throat> specifically Bilbao, Spain, I think is how you pronounce it. And what we uncovered, which I there's a lot of interviews like it, but this is the first time we shed light on it, is that there are so many cities around the world that you have never heard of, like Bilbao, that are absolutely amazing that you can go to. Uh, I'm on the Wikipedia page right now, and it's kind of in the in the neighborhood. It's 345,000 people is the population. And my bet is that if you're listening to this, you've never heard of it. And she's going to tell you all about it. But um, yeah, there's in just comb the podcast. There's so many of these cities and they're gorgeous. Just look at pictures of Bilbao and you'll see what I'm talking about. So I'm going to turn it over to Erica and yeah, enjoy it. Thanks. The three biggest reasons only 10% of students study abroad. They're afraid of being homesick, they don't think it's safe, and the number one reason people don't study abroad is cost. We're here to dispel all that, find out exactly how that 10% crafted their study abroad journey, and how you can too. I'm Chris Carlton, and this is the Study Abroadcast. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Study Abroadcast. I am here with Erica Biagini from Butler University. Erica, thank you very much for being here. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, Chris. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, you're, you're very welcome. I'm happy you could be here. So tell me about, you decided to study abroad in Spain. Where specifically in Spain were you? I was in the north in Bilbao, which is a very underrated place in my opinion. Okay. Um, when people think of Spain, they tend to think Barcelona and Madrid. Yeah. Um, I ended up going to the north, which was an incredible experience. Right. No, I just did an interview with someone, and there I feel like there are a few towns like that in Spain where they're just like the most beautiful place you've never heard of almost. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I saw a lot of beauty, and it wasn't necessarily in the very touristy places. Right. So it was, I was glad I was able to kind of make it my own. Do um, you uh, – do you, do you know why uh, or about how many people live there off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, I really have no idea, but I know that it's much smaller than places like Madrid and, um, and Barcelona. It's a very manageable town, um, not too many people, but also still has, it's still a city and there still is a bit of tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would maybe compare it to like, the, in terms of population, maybe like Indianapolis. Okay. All right. Um, interesting. And so, were, are you trying? Were you trying to learn Spanish? Is that why you decided on Spain? Yes. So I currently have a minor in Spanish, and I'm trying to make it a major by the time that I graduate. Um, okay. And I just always loved the language, and I kind of decided that I wanted to study abroad in a Spanish-speaking country from the moment that I went to university that was just something that it was a goal of mine that I knew I wanted to um, complete sure and uh, so so how long or what term did you go for I went from uh, so during the fall semester um, which was technically their spring they like do it opposite but 
Um, it was from August or end of August to end of December. Okay. And, um, and then, so tell me about, so you get there, you get to Spain. How, how many credits did you take for that semester? So my school required us to take 30 ECTS, which is technically 15, um, credit hours in the United States. Okay. So I took 15 credit hours. Um, and it was, school was a little bit tougher than I had anticipated. It was a very prestigious university, but, um, I still was able to get enough traveling in and just spend enough time outside of the classroom to be able to have a full experience for sure. Okay. And, uh, did you, so before you left, what, tell me about the program you decided to do. Was it an exchange? Was it a third party? How, what, what program did you pick? So the program that I chose was an exchange. Um, and that was for pretty much the reason that I chose an exchange was because my university allowed, um, allowed full scholarship, uh, to be accepted into those programs. Um, so I was able to get any scholarship that I have from Butler um, was transferred to the university that I was studying at, which was okay. very helpful. Um, so, so you had scholarships already, is that right? Yes, I had scholarships from Butler um, that were able to be transferred through the exchange program, um, through their partnership, I guess. Okay. Um, and that was one of the reasons that I did choose to go to Bilbao. Um, I think a lot of the third-party programs were in different places, but this was the one that I chose for financial reasons, but it ended up being such an incredible experience nonetheless. Um, right. Okay. And uh, so, so you did get, so did you get, you had scholarships then academic scholarships prior, like even if you didn't study abroad, you would have had them is what you're saying? Yes, exactly. Okay. And um, did, were you able to apply for or receive any additional scholarships? I, um, I actually did not, and I'm not sure if that was, um, if my university would, would have allowed any extra scholarship yeah. just, just based on the financial aid that I was already receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure that I could have applied for some external scholarships. I did feel though that the, the, um, process of applying for study abroad was time consuming as it is. So I didn't, um, go out of my way to apply for any external scholarships. Okay. And so, what? Uh, what universe? What was your host school? What was that? Um, it was. It's called University of Deusto. Is a really small private university. I mean, it's small on Spain's terms. Um, it was probably about fourteen thousand students, mm-hmm. um, and it was um, just a small university, very prestigious. Right? Um, it, it kind of in the heart of um, Bilbao. Yeah. And. It was absolutely gorgeous, very new, and um, just great um, Great resources were available to students there, which I really appreciated because it kind of did remind me of Butler in that way. Yeah, uh, that's, that's interesting. I'm actually writing a post about that, just about how there's a tipping point for college towns, and there is, it's, the town is either small enough to where the university the, the town lives in the shadow of the university and then mm-hmm. vice versa where the town gets big enough and the university kind of mirrors what the town does. But TBC on that. So can you, what was your living situation like out there? 
when I was in Spain, my living arrangements really started out pretty rocky. And I originally thought that living in the dorm of the university that I was attending would be ideal for me. I soon found out that living in a single room, um, while still acknowledging that there was a language barrier and that I had gone to Bilbao being the only person from Butler, um, I really struggled to make friends in that environment. And I'm not usually the type of person that struggles to make friends, but um, living in a single room definitely took, took a toll. And I noticed that the environment just wasn't working for me and wasn't giving me the study abroad experience that I had always dreamed of. Um, so about two to three weeks into my study abroad, everything was really hectic, but I decided to take on the extra challenge of, um, an apartment search. And I was contacting landlords constantly, um, speaking entirely in Spanish, obviously, uh, recruiting some of my friends to help me with translation. But ultimately I found an incredible apartment with seven other people, most of them Spanish speaking. Um, it was in a great location right by the Guggenheim Museum, aka the staple of Bilbao. And I mean, centrally located, I was able to really form a family with my roommates. They, you know, there was always someone cooking in the kitchen or always someone passing by. Um, that just allowed me to feel like I really had made a home for myself there. And it was absolutely, without a doubt, the best so, decision. Okay, so we got the living situation. Okay, so now when you were in Spain, can you tell me uh, where else were you able to travel? You were there for an entire semester, so were you able to see other parts of Europe? During my time abroad, I was able to do a lot of traveling, obviously not as much as, as I had anticipated. I was very ambitious starting out, you know, wanting to travel to every single European country and and ultimately Bilbao had a small airport so flights were a lot more expensive and um, I wasn't able to get as much traveling in as I had planned Um, but in retrospect that really was a great thing because I was able to really call Bilbao my home and know it inside and out and really feel a connection to it but some places that I was able to travel was um, so I was able to travel to Madrid, Barcelona, um, to, to other places in Spain, obviously, and then um, a lot of places along the northern um, coast of Spain, which were, were, were lovely and very scenic. Um, and then um, on a trip to San Sebastian, which is a Spanish city, we also crossed over to the border um, to the other side of France. And that's um, the city was called Biarritz. It was a beautiful beach town. Um, so we got to see France, and then also I took a trip to Paris. And finally, at the end of my trip, I was able to come back home to my family in Scotland. I have um, and my aunts, uncles, cousins, and my grandma are all in Scotland. So it was really nice to finish my my trip with with family and with people that made it feel like Europe was my home. Um, Ultimately, I was very happy with the amount of traveling I got done, um, even though it wasn't my ambitious as as um, I didn't accomplish as much as my ambitious goals had set out to do. But ultimately was it just gives me a reason to go back uh, in the future. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah, that's it's always it's always a kind of like a feather in one's cap when they get to go see when there's family across like over in Europe. So, uh, yeah. Congratulations on that. That's pretty awesome. Absolutely. I, I have family in Greece, mm-hmm. actually, so I just, we just had our first Greek interview. Um, oh, Greece is beautiful, and that was one of the places on my bucket list that 
Unfortunately, I didn't make it too, but I will definitely be back yeah. in Europe. No, it's Here's yeah, it's just kind of down there. Uh, but, but so okay, so you got to go to all these places. So during that time, were you able to? Uh, was there was there kind of like a funny travel story or something crazy that happened to you along the way? I'd say my most unfortunate travel stories. Um, my unfortunate travel stories were also my funniest. One of them was when my mother uh, come to visit me in Spain and there was this gorgeous hike that both of us wanted to do and the how to get to the hike was by taking an hour-long bus and then hiking about 45 minutes to an hour up a mountain um, until you eventually got to the hike and, and it was amazing and we got so many great photos and ultimately I mean one of the best memories and then when we started you know having to start thinking about getting back home because the sun was setting um i started looking at the bus schedules and realized that the last bus was long gone and that we were pretty much out of luck for getting back to bilbao um and i I mean they don't have uber in bilbao and we were in a very very small village um with pretty much one restaurant i mean there were tourists doing the hike but aside from that pretty deserted um there was one restaurant where we were saying you know to stay warm of course it was getting cold and dark um and you know that was just so laughable and eventually we ended up taking a taxi home which was not the cheapest option but was the most reliable at that point we couldn't uh couldn't make the walk but that was one story and um my other funny traveling story was um, on my trip to Paris. Paris had always been on my bucket list and I was planning to meet one of my friends from Butler and we had booked an Airbnb and we had everything all set up and before we both had left my friend suggested that I reach out to our Airbnb host and connect with him make sure that everything was all lined up and that we knew how to get into the place and so we weren't stranded because we were arriving in Paris at night Um, and Paris is just such a huge city obviously an unfamiliar language to both of us and we wanted some security so reached out to him Um, by the time my flight landed still no um, no contact from him I then contacted him through email tried calling him multiple times and then got in contact with Airbnb Um, Airbnb could really not help me at all uh, in terms of trying to find another place because it was Paris I'm sure everything was booked and unfortunately I was having a really hard time Um, so we were pretty much stranded going on the train um, to the city center from the airport and just panicking because we had no home we were in this foreign city and had no idea where we were and pretty much were out of luck and what we uh, ended up doing was finding some pretty shady hotel um thank goodness for my uh, both of our parents were of course frantically looking online for hotels in the area and they found some um so we stayed at this hotel we booked for one night and then the moment after we booked the hotel, I got a notification from our Airbnb host saying that he had been at work. So, you know, we had paid for a full night in a hotel, and then it ended up that it, everything was fine and that he was planning on having us, but he was just too late getting around to the phone. 
which of course was unfortunate. We ended up staying in that Airbnb and it was a great location. It was really tiny, but it was just, you know, such a panicky thing because we, you know, Paris is such a huge bucket list item and our trip started out so frantically, but obviously ended everything ended up okay in the end. Um, but just be careful with Airbnb, moral of the story, and also always check yeah. the bus schedule. So lots to learn from those. And, no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, at least yeah, at least you were able to salvage the trip. It sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. It was that was probably my favorite trip by far um, of my whole time in Spain. I love Paris as. Um, mainstream as it may be I no really no no yeah no as i as i've done interviews like i'm slowly trying wanting to inter- like go to paris just because of the food mostly <laughs> oh the food what was incredible yeah <laughs> no well so like as a segue so was there any like I, living in spain too i know the paella and other tapas but like was there anything not only from spain but like your entire trip that stuck out meal wise Sure. Um, I think for sure, and this is going to sound really weird, but the pizza and the hamburgers in Spain were way better than in America. And the, my, my friends from, you know, from South America and from Europe would never believe me if I said that, but everything really just tasted much fresher there um, in terms of produce, um, bread. Yeah, cheese, that's what I hear everything just tasted so much better and so much fresher. Um, and then obviously really missing sangria. Um, I love sangria. Um, I know it's not a food, but I do miss that being available. Um, and so then like, like it is available, but I understand what you're talking about. It's just like everywhere you go, it's available there probably. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and just in general, like the wine tastes much better there. Mm-hmm. Um, not as cheap so i i guess just the freshness of everything is is something that i miss in terms of like food um because like i couldn't just say there's like one food that i miss i do miss paella and it's very hard to find a good paella you know in the u.s yeah but overall i think the freshness of the food was um was on another level than than in america yeah that tends to be the trend Uh, (laughs) and okay well, it's, yeah, so thank you. So you wouldn't think about that, like the pizza. I, I, right. I lived, so I did Buenos Aires, so another Spanish-speaking country, but I thought the pizza in Buenos like the food there, like they've got empanadas and the meat there is insane and the prices, mm-hmm. but I did not, the pizza there, I didn't like it. Like it's just, they're, they're really big on pizza, but it's not, I didn't okay. like, it was different. So it's, interesting. Uh, yeah, I think that um, Argentina is supposed to have a pretty um, Italian influence, from what I know, just from my South American friends. So I would assume that the pizza there would be really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I the the typical Spanish food of the Basque country was actually something called pinchos, okay. which, um, if you can imagine, is like a slice of a baguette. Um, and then topped with just a bunch of different ingredients. It, it could be um, either cheese or usually with serrano ham. They're huge on serrano ham. And you would walk everywhere and see these huge ham legs just hanging from the ceiling. Um, they looked fake, but they were actually real. Um, but I would say that is a staple of the diet, just ser- serrano ham and cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And personally, I'm not a huge ham person, so I didn't find myself – 
indulging in pinchos very much, but that is is the typical food of the Basque country, and tourists go crazy over it, um, especially especially the ham, the things that include ham. Hamon. Yeah, hamon. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. it's the same. Yeah, so that is the same in Buenos Aires. It took me, I, it took me forever to find turkey there. Actually, I couldn't find turkey for the longest time, and it, like hiding in plain sight. That I guess they have it at Subway. So, but I was still I was looking all over for it, and turkeys are hard to find in Buenos Aires. But well, just a little, yeah, that reminds me of um, another funny story. Of, yes, please share around Thanksgiving time. Um, I told my friends, so my close group of friends was um, one girl from Chile, mm-hmm. another from Germany, and um, one guy from Canada, and then another guy from Germany. So some Europeans in there, um, some South Americans, and I told them that I wanted to make them a traditional Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and I didn't realize how difficult that would be, you know, being in Spain. Um I searched everywhere for things like canned pumpkin. And then in trying to find a turkey, I went to this big supermarket called El Corte Inglés. Um, mm-hmm. And th- they pretty much have everything there. I mean, it's kind of like if you can imagine Macy's, but with Wait, like a supermarket. If I can imagine what? Macy's. Oh, okay. Macy's, yeah. but a supermarket. Right. So, well, it's actually both. So they have like a department store on the what? lower level. Yeah, it's crazy. And then as you go up, they have like a supermarket and a deli and like a bakery. And it's pretty much a one-stop shop. Um, so I figured they have like an international section. Um, so I figured I could find some American, you know, Thanksgiving-themed foods. And I failed miserably. Yeah. Um in trying to find a turkey, I realized that there was one for ninety nine euros. So so yeah, so they don't they don't have turkeys over there either. That means they've got no, to ship it in from somewhere. I think it was like it's a rarity because I guess they're just not as accessible. So needless to say, I ended up making chicken, very good ah. nonetheless. But I was not able to to um, pay for a Thanksgiving turkey because. It was so rare. It was so expensive. But yeah, like you said, it's very hard to find things like that because ham is so common. Um, yeah. And that's just what their diet is surrounded by, I guess. Yeah. I wonder. So it's. I'm assuming it's like this in, in South America. But I wonder if in, even in Europe, you think they have turkeys? But like, I wonder if it's like, you know how there, there aren't any lions over here and there aren't any bears in Africa like that. Like, I wonder if there are just no turkeys in Europe and they just kind of, they're on this side. They started right. in North America. I have no idea. I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's something like that or yeah. maybe just their like flavor palette is in like, is in attuned to things like that. So maybe it's just not something that they, that would do well in the market, but <clears throat> for <Yeah>. some reason, <clears throat> It was just very rare there. Yeah, but like 120 bucks for a turkey is insane. <clears throat> it was a ton, yeah. Yeah. I could uh, not believe it. <laughs> good. No, I, yeah, I'm glad we got to talk about getting a little more into the food part of it. It's my favorite part of the interview. Um, yeah. And then, so so now, so since you've been home, <clears throat> how how has studying abroad, like how has it changed your view of the world? Wow. Um in a lot of ways, really. Um, 
just a few things that I've noticed change in like my perception and just in the way I behave is that I'm much more willing to like spend time with the people that matter to me and like, you know, being away from home for so long and then coming back to school and coming back to my family, I found that I'm so much more willing to put aside time for, you know, friends that I haven't seen in a while or um, my family or just people that matter to me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I used to be, sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, I used to be, and I hate to admit this, but the type of person that would say, yeah, let's catch up some time and, you know, never really get around to actually doing it. But I find that now I really hold myself to those commitments and I I hold that time to be much more valuable um, than I did before. Um, And then just in general, knowing that the world is so much bigger and um, that there's so much more out there is has helped me to stop sweating the little stuff, I guess. Um, You know, I used to, you know, just worry about things that, in the long run have no meaning and now I kind of check in with myself and uh, realize that a lot of the things that I'm worrying about are so minor in the grand scheme of things. So it's really helped me um, bring that perception to life and just help me be more calm, I guess, uh, as a person. Right. That's a, no, that's a really good answer. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, and then, so, Tell me, first of all, can you talk about a little a thing I've been asking people is in case someone's listening that's not from the United States, could you talk a little bit about Butler University and why you decided to go there and what it's like to go to school at Butler? Absolutely. So um, this is my favorite story to tell. I actually always thought that I wanted to go to a big school. Um, I'm a very outgoing person, very talkative, upbeat and I thought that that was the environment that I would thrive in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in applying to schools, I just happened to apply to Butler out on a whim. And until I visited Butler, it was kind of off my radar. But when I did come to campus, um, I came to campus for a, a business school event. Um, and I learned about the business school. I got to meet so many incredible people. And I really just saw the, we call it the community of care in action. Um, you can just really feel on this campus how much people care about one another, um, Mm. that you have, you constantly have a support system, whether it be your faculty, your faculty is always like personally invested in your success. And, um, also your peers are personally invested in your success and it's not so much of a competition. Um, so to someone that's listening from abroad, I know Indiana doesn't seem like the most interesting place to study, but um, this university will bring you things and perspectives that um, that you cannot get anywhere else, really. And you will meet people who are so enriching. I mean, and just who really value diversity, I think, um, in a way that, you know, you wouldn't be able to, to find the same culture, I think, at a lot of other American universities. I do think Butler is unique um, and can offer a really great experience for anyone. Yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, that's really well put. There, like just like the towns in Europe, there are a lot of college campuses across the United States that are just kind of hiding there. That 
you really have to go to and not a lot of people see, but they are kind of magical places. That's why I'm in the business. Absolutely, yeah. And then, uh, I think, sorry, what were you no, gonna no, say? No, what were you gonna say, I'm sorry. Um, no, I was just gonna add on, like I think Butler is just overlooked as a university. I mean, we're growing, um, but I would love to see a, a bigger international presence just on our campus. I know I know I've seen it grow in the in uh, recent years. I was even able to work with someone from Norway on a on a you know an, an extensive semester long group project. Yeah. Um, so like the international students here are really integrated into the curriculum, mm -hmm. um, which I think offers such such a great experience. Okay, great. Yeah, th yeah. Thanks for telling us about Butler. Then, where mm -hmm. what 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 town is it in? It's in Indianapolis. It's okay. not in the heart of downtown, but it is, you know, in a suburb of Indianapolis. Okay, so yeah, so then you've got the best of both worlds, too. Exactly, exactly. And and then so finally, so getting into like a little rapid fire portion of the podcast, can you, is there sure. a book recommendation that you have? Honestly, I, well, I'm not a huge reader as it is. I would so like to get more into reading, but I do not have a book recommendation um unfortunately that's okay <laughs> what about like a media recommendation like a podcast or a blog or something like that or an app maybe i'd say well something that i just used kind of like all the time when i was abroad would be yelp uh -huh. um just because i would see like for restaurants or for like entertainment like you would see it from like a tourist point of view but also like since I was able to understand Spanish, I could see kind of what the locals thought of places. Um, and it was just super handy to, to, you know, because I was so unfamiliar with the city, but to know, um, to know that, you know, there were reliable places around me was, was important. Um, and to be able to research those things before I, before I went out and then obviously just using maps. Um, mm -hmm. so I didn't get lost. That was extremely handy. Right. Um, yeah. And then also uh, Skyscanner yes. is a huge help for anyone studying abroad. Um, I think there's another one called like Hopper, um, just for trying to find cheap flights. I mean, it shows you when the flights are expensive, when they're cheap, and, and like you can just find some really great deals there. So for anyone looking for flights, I'd check out those two, um, those two apps. They're, okay. they're great. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the recommendations. Mm -hmm. And then finally, what would you tell a student, like if you had a little brother or sister that's thinking about studying abroad but not sure if they should do it, what advice would you be, give to them? My advice would be to do it um, no. and to not think into it too much because like, and I hate to say this, but to kind of just rip off the Band-Aid because the more, the more that you start overanalyzing, um, this experience, the more you might start to get cold feet. I know that before I left, I, you know, was having doubts about being, first of all, the only person from my university going, um, going to Bilbao. Mm -hmm. And then just being away from my family for so long was something that, you know, was scary the more that I thought about it. Um, but if you really, you know, evaluate it, you have nothing, absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. Um, and at the very least, you will grow so much through this experience. Um, you know, I had setbacks. I'm not going to say that every single day was easy during my time abroad. Yeah. Um, you know, things like looking for an apartment, not easy. Uh, my phone broke when I was abroad. 
that was really unfortunate too. Right. Um, all of those, you know, travel stories where, you know, there was a language barrier and there was an unfortunate situation and, you know, I had to work through it all. But looking back, the fact that I was able to persevere through those things was, is like priceless to me. Um, and I definitely grew as a person. Um, it's something that's so important, you know, that I talk about now, like during interviews, mm -hmm. um, just really has been the most en enriching experience of my life. Um, and like I said, there's everything to gain and nothing to lose. Right. Okay. Well put. And then, and then yeah. finally, uh, no, that was really good advice. Seriously. What, uh, <laughs> do you have a, do you have a travel quote that you want to share or not a travel quote, any quote, I'm sorry, but anything? Yeah. Okay. Um, so and I was actually thinking about getting a tattoo of this quote. Really, um, we've, had, we've had one other. We've had one other guest who who gave us a tattoo, like their quote, like their life mantra, and it was their tattoo. So, I really want to do that. I'm just scared people are going to be like, "Oh man, you, you know, you studied abroad once, and now you get a a, a tattoo in Spanish and whatever." Yeah. But um, so I actually saw this quote. I got a gym membership when I was abroad, and in this like one little studio of the gym they had these quotes on the walls um and this one just it's, i don't know it just like resonated with me so much um and it's so uh, it's in spanish it's todo lo que necesitas ya está dentro um which translates to everything that you need is already within you um, oh wow yeah it's really beautiful um and poetic and i think that this resonated me, especially during this time of my life, just because um, kind of looking at like how far I had come throughout my study abroad experience and how much I had overcome um, and the growth that, that I had that I had experienced um, showed me that I I don't need to, you know, seek validation through external sources, you know, everything that I need. I already have um, and that I'm capable um, of anything that I set my mind to because obviously um, choosing to study abroad is a, is a commitment and it's a challenge but the fact that I was able to do it and, and also just thrive while I was doing it um, just proved to myself, I think I needed to prove to myself um, that I was able to do that. Um, so I just, I love that quote um, and it just leaves me with a nice feeling and it kind of is all encompassing of just everything that I experienced when I was when I was in Spain. No, yeah, it leaves me with a nice feeling too. Probably <laughs> everyone else that's listening. Well, yeah, Erica, thank, so. thank you very much for doing it. Uh, guys, give me an honest review of the show. Let us know how we're doing. Connect on social media as always, and there's fun stuff to do for you on the site. Erica, thank you very much. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Okay. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to check out all the really neat infographics on the rest of the posts as well as the interviews. There's a lot of good information. You should also download Studying Abroad 201. I really recommend it if you need kind of a fire lit under your ass for studying abroad and you need some motivation. It crafts my journey and exactly what I did. Also, you, we can email you new interviews or you can connect with us on social media. All right, thanks a lot.